We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. KJ Podcast, what up my people? Middle of the week. Hope everyone's having a nice start to October. NFL season is moving pretty quickly. We are in week six right now. 49ers, they're in a bad spot. Some things have not gone their way. They're having the worst season in the league. That doesn't mean they're the worst team, but Jimmy Garoppolo being injured. They just got flexed out of the Sunday night game. When they play a good team, it's expected to be a blowout. It's the Green Bay Packers this week, Monday night. The Rams the following week. It's going to get hairy and tough these next couple weeks. There's going to be a lot of venom spewed. I don't want anyone to freak out. There are some positive things happening with this team. I brought them up on Twitter. George Kittle, Matt Breida, Richard Sherman's been amazing. He's allowed one catch for eight yards. The defense statistically is not that bad. I know I've called for a scheme change. Obviously, we blast certain position groups on this pod, but there are positive things that can happen. Today's pod is actually going to be with Rob Loader, USA Today, NinersWire.com. Wanted to bring him on, switch it up, get a guest in here, get some different perspective. Rob is a really good follow on Twitter. If you're a big Bay Area sports fan, make sure you check out Keeping It 300, Fallon Smith, former NBC Sports Bay Area broadcaster, James Jones, San Jose State, then longtime Packers receiver. I love their chemistry. They had Derek Carr on last week. Andre Ward is their guest. Go to iTunes right now after this pod. Search Keeping It 300. 
give them a listen. I love the chemistry they have going on. Their show is brand new. But yeah, let's get to Rob Loader on the KJ Podcast. A, a nice discussion about the Niners. Tweet us your feedback on what you thought. We have one of the better 49ers content creators, a teacher, and just an all-around good dude. Rob Loader is on the line. What's going on, my man? Not a whole lot, dude. Like you said, I got just got done with a, another day at school, and right now I'm coaching football, so middle school football. So that usually that adds a couple hours onto the end day, but it's a lot of fun hanging out with these kids, man. It's just such a good group of kids. I, I can't say that I, I would be doing anything else, so. That's my day, man. Teaching, teaching art all day and then coaching football. That's, that's about it. And then coming home and trying to write about the 49ers as much as I can. Dude, Rob, I don't think he's committed a sin in his life. Like He's literally like one of the nicest people I've ever met. I love it. <laughs> I, I would, I'm not sure I'd go that far, but I, I appreciate it, man. I try to – pretty much I go about my life knowing I'm a representation of my parents. So I, I try to do everything the right way. The 49ers, God, we were so excited for this team this season, and it's just a buzzkill. It's, it's, I don't want to say it's like we're at a funeral or something, but it's just hard to be excited about this team right now. Is the season a total wash to you without Jimmy G? Like, we can't judge him at all. This isn't fair. You know, Jarek McKinnon, all the injuries, they've had bad circumstances. Or with 11 games left, is it on Kyle to make C.J. Beathard the third-round pick that they – they drafted him pretty high. The defense has to turn it around. Or are you saying if they go four and twelve, you know what? Like they are they're absolved of everything. Year three, we're gonna come back with a clean slate. What's your view of this season? Uh I, I would say that I do believe it's a wash, but not in a way I don't I don't I'm hesitant to say that because I don't want it to seem like um I think everything they're gonna do on the field is meaningless. You know, I think it's a wash as far as what you have, the all the like you said, the hopes you have for the season. Uh, where the team can go, competing for maybe a wild card spot, all that stuff that we kind of thought was on the table beforehand is pretty much off the table. And it, uh, like I said, I think it's a wash. I, you know, I think that they're destined for a top five draft pick, uh, maybe top three, you know, uh, hopefully. And I think that's ideal. I'm, I'm never bought into anything resembling the tanking idea, but I think at this point, the, the best thing that the team can hope for is to kind of you know, build up some more experience throughout the season. You hate to see guys like Joe Staley, uh, you know, lose, have to lose this much again, especially at the twilight of his career, but it's kind of just the luck they've been dealt. But, um, you know, I think that they kind of just compete. The, the younger guys get more experience. You know, it sucks that they have to get used to losing like this. But at the same time, a lot of the ones that are on the team right now uh, were able to go through the, the little five games with Jimmy Garoppolo last season. So it's, at least they've got that to hold on to. And I think they just gain experience, and I think the best thing for this team is to end up with like a top three draft pick, and hopefully, if it were up to me, commit that to some type of edge rusher. And then, you know, I, I, like I said, I wouldn't say it's a wash. They can still gain them a lot of experience and a lot of valuable, uh, you know, experience in Kyle Shanahan's system. But it's it's not it's not anything like we started, like you said, man. No, not ideal at all. It, it's not just being in that building is not as fun anymore. Jimmy Garoppolo literally changed everything. And I think all of us overinflated the roster. All of us kind of bought into the hype of December and kind of ignored November, October, some of the other flaws, the execution mistakes, the dropped interceptions, the just penalties, all that stuff that, you know, existed a little bit under Jimmy G. It just didn't look as bad. I mean, that's kind of been their team so far. 
One of the big points you brought up in the offseason, and we kind of disagreed here, you thought they should have brought in Allen Robinson. You were driving that train. I thought Garcon was going to look better. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Garcon looks like he's been in the league for 10 years. His body has been through hell. He's he's really um, – he's been a warrior in there. He's taken a, tough, a ton of tough hits, and he is at the end of his line for sure. It's it's He has more of that Anquan Bolden feel when Anquan was in San Francisco. He He can't be relied upon. Do you think they regret not signing Allen Robinson? Uh, it's tough to say. You know, it, it, you know, because you know, while they're looking at somebody like Allen Robinson, that Kyle Shanahan has that attitude about him that he doesn't necessarily need a guy like that. Kyle Shanahan's team is, you know, known for and and Kyle, my editor over at Niners Wire, was just we were just texting today. He said, "Man, Kyle Shanahan's All Twenty Two is so much fun to watch because there's." literally somebody open on every single play because that's just how he does his thing. So it's, it's hard to say that they necessarily regret passing on him, but you know, Kyle Shanahan said himself, I think it was, uh, I don't, I'm not sure if it was after the lions game. Um, but he said himself that his receivers weren't getting open with enough regularity. So, you know, maybe somebody like Allen Robinson helps you for those 50, 50 balls. I'm not sure that he's, you know, I've never known him as a guy that's a master of getting open. But he's definitely a bigger guy that can win some contested catches and just make some plays downfield. So I don't think that Allen Robinson is quite the talent they're sitting around, you know, beating themselves up over not signing him. Would he have helped? Sure. But I think the team's problems kind of extend well beyond just having that that kind of, uh, you know, a, a little bit more intimidating receiving threat. Yeah. And Marquise Goodwin's been out. We got to remember that. Dante Pettis has been out right, a little bit. Right. He hasn't showed up yet like he did in training camp in the preseason. So Maybe receiver at the end of the year is in a lot better place than now. But yeah, no, I wanted to pose that question to you, Rob. I don't, I don't think they've handled cornerback well at all. I mean, last year they went into the season with Rashard Robinson as their number one guy. I don't know what they're looking at on tape. Um, now they're benching Akilah Weatherspoon. Really, if he's going to be your guy in a third-round pick, don't you want to just let him struggle and get through this? Now you have Greg Maben, who's looking even better on tape. And he's an undrafted guy. And I know you want to create competition, put the best guy in the field, but you're trying to develop draft picks. Corner is a tough position in this league. The Jimmy Ward thing last year, bouncing him around, and now they they kind of banked on him being a depth piece, which he's not. I, I'm concerned at what they're looking at on tape at corner and how they're evaluating it. Your thoughts on Akilah Witherspoon and just that position in general? Uh, I think I'm, I'm I'm right around where you are on that. It's, it's tough, saying because Akilah Witherspoon has built up a lot of hype. Uh, as a rookie, especially later on the season, he was playing really well. Uh, and it's weird to see him come out and struggle so much. And, and, you know, it's part of it is because, you know, last season they didn't have Richard Sherman on the other side. So there were plenty of targets to go around and there was plenty of times where they were thrown to the other end of the, the other end of the thing. I mean, Dante Johnson, we all know wasn't, wasn't the greatest. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say how much of it is him being worse than he was last year or how much of it was the, the off the off opposing offenses just didn't need to throw his way as often. And, you know, now that you've put Richard Sherman out there, who is, you know, for, for what he's done, he's absolutely shut down his side of the field. And I think that's just a combination of him being an excellent cornerback. Like we all know he is, but at the same time, offenses don't even need to feel like they need to throw that way because they can victimize whoever's on the left side of the defense. So, you know, it's, it's tough to say because you want a Witherspoon to work out, and then they take a guy like Traverius Moore, who's more of a project, when I don't really think they have room for a project right now. They need kind of a guy that can come in and make an impact right away. He might be good down the road, but that's not really doesn't really help right now when they're kind of 
you know, take it in the trenches with that other side. So it's, it's hard to say, man. I mean, it's good that Greg Maven, Maven's working out and maybe he'll be good, but at the same time, you know, you can't necessarily be throwing out third round draft picks to quarterbacks and just hoping they work out, you know, over and over. So it, it's tough to say, man, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not a good spot. It's not in a good spot right now. I mean, it's great that Sherman's playing so good, but they've got to get both sides kind of worked out. I'm down on the Niners at corner. I, I just am, guys. I, I got to call it how I, I see it. Rob, I think there's one person in the building that wants to win more than anyone. It's actually Kyle Shanahan because he wants to prove to the world that C.J. Beathard was the right pick, that this is a developmental type of piece at QB, that he took a stab in the third round, and hey, this guy isn't bad. I don't think the rest of the league sees it that way. I don't think the rest of Niners fans see it that way. Not that people are down on C.J. Beathard, but was a third-round pick a reach? And if Kyle does, you know, this team finishes 3-13 and and C.J.'s bad, they're probably going to have to draft another quarterback in the third, fourth, fifth round this year. Well, I mean, it's just the fact that they're already look, they were already looking at kind of these veteran arms that, yeah, they can say they want to bring in a third quarterback. And, you know, but that, that quarterback, the, the, the names that they were throwing out there are not necessarily guys that wouldn't challenge a guy like C.J. Beathard for the starting spot. And I think that's, that's what they were looking for is a veteran that could at least give him a run for his money and possibly – come in and play a little bit better but like you're saying i mean i don't give them too much i don't i don't hark on the draft pick too much i mean it was a late third round pick they traded up barely from the they traded a a couple spots from day three into day two and so it's you know it's it was only a few picks away from being a fourth round pick but at the same time the guys that you can get at that spot can be impacts at other other positions so you still got to give the 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 draft pick a little bit of a clout and there's been times where Beathard's look great. I mean, I thought he was awesome against the Chargers. Like, and the two picks that he threw weren't on him whatsoever, and he looked good. Uh, he played a good game. But then you go out against the Cardinals, who have, you know, a, a much more vulnerable defense, and kind of it seems like he just played down to their level. And there's times, you know, there's stuff where, you know, when he when he's fumbling the ball because he just didn't step up into an absolutely massive pocket. You know, it's hard not to cringe at stuff like that when those are just plays you expect an even a rudimentary quarterback to make. You know, my, you know, my, my middle schoolers kind of know about that stuff. So it's, you know, it's it's through a microscope, but at the same time, it's it's hard to wonder what he thinks of C.J. Beathard. I mean, it's a backup quarterback that's been thrown into the fire probably more than they wanted him to be. You know, Brian Hoyer went out and. You know, Brian Hoyer didn't give him anything, and then uh, Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt. So, uh, you know, it's it's just a team, I think, that's been forced to kind of feature him a bit more than they wanted to. And let's remember, Kyle brought in Brian Hoyer. Like, that was his choice. They could have maneuvered and done something else. He also didn't draft Pat Mahomes here. Like, we love Kyle. We love his ability to scheme. I'm starting to, you know, shine some flashlights around in the dark here. Hey, are they missing out on some top prospects here? I, I don't think they've done a bad job of drafting, but I, I, I'm wondering about QB evaluations. I'm wondering about cornerback evaluation. Back to QB, they, they got lucky with Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, Bill Belichick gave it to him, like, for free pretty much, second-round pick. So, yeah, Rob, I, I'm a little concerned, but let's, let's, let's go to pass rusher here because I, I think this matters a lot. I, I really think they didn't do enough. You saw teams trade for Khalil Mack. You saw teams trade for Marcus Peters. Um, they, they could have done something in the trade market. They could have finagled some type of draft pick, Harold Landry in the second round. They're getting nothing from Armstead. They're getting nothing from Solomon Thomas. They leave Julian Taylor on the bench. 
Like I, I'm really trying to not be negative, but I just don't think they're making, they're doing enough at certain positions. I think, I think pass rusher is probably the one position where uh, you should be negative. You know, I think that's the one position where they deserve a healthy amount of criticism. Even some of their roster moves, like cutting Jeremiah Tauchu, who by all means wasn't a stud, but I thought he gave them a pretty good option there. I mean, I watched the guy all training camp and was pretty impressed. Uh, not blown away, but I mean, I felt like he was somebody who could make an impact. And I felt like they kind of discarded him uh, as if they weren't starving for talent at that position. It was it was a little weird. And then, yeah, like you said, I mean, they've, they've said that they went in hard for Khalil Mack, but you know that these teams give other teams the opportunity to ma- match offers. You know what I mean? That That's the only the smart thing the Raiders would do is bounce back and forth. And I feel like what um, the Bears gave up to get Khalil Mack was very fair, especially, you know, the stuff that the, the picks that the Raiders ended up giving back to the Bears. So uh, I feel like, yeah, that's that's not not kind of making that happen was a little bit of a whiff because just that move right there. Yes, you I wouldn't say obliterated your cap space, but yeah, that's a huge dent out of your cap space. But your your defense becomes exponentially more talented. You have a guy like DeForest Buckner, who's incredible, but he needs somebody to be next to him. Like it was Alden Smith and and uh, Justin Smith. You know what I mean? Alden Smith was only half of what he was because the the defense or the offensive line had to worry about Justin Smith as well. So they kind of need to take a page out of that book and make sure they've got one or the other. I do feel like they passed up some talent in the draft. Like you said, to me, Harold Harold Landry was obvious. You know what I mean? It was he was there. He lasted way longer than he should have, and I feel like it would have been pretty easy to make a move for him. Even uh, Marcus Davenport, who I was never terribly high on, uh, was a made a made a lot of sense, and he's doing quite well with the Saints. So it's 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 tough to say that that's you know there's stuff really any no way to spin that in a way that makes it a positive thing. They were starving for help at that position. They only added they re-signed Cassius Marsh, and then cut who I thought was their next best option in a Tauchu, and then didn't get anybody else. So it's kind of a shamble, man. I'm trying to figure out their thought process. I guess what they're thinking is, hey, Solomon Thomas, we have to give him a chance. Last year, maybe he's growing pains. We'll put him in better positions. They they haven't done that. Then I think they picked the wrong scheme. Seattle's scheme, you put a safety in the box. It's more about putting pressure inside that area. The stats look good defensively. They really do. They're not giving up huge plays. The defense hasn't been a huge problem compared to the rest of the league. Like Defenses are down this year, but I really don't think this is the right scheme to play in today's NFL unless you have a pro bowler at every position. It leaves too much vulnerable. I think you need more safety help. I, I don't like cover three all the time. It, it leaves accurate quarterbacks the windows to pick you apart. Um I think Robert Sala ends up staying. There's 11 games left. It's crazy to even predict this stuff, but... I, from where I see it now, he ends up staying. I, but I do think they make a scheme change. Do you think they do anything drastically different on defense next season? Or is it just too early to tell? I think it's a little too early. And, and I think the, the scheme, like you said, it, it leaves a lot of work to its one safety and its cornerbacks. And the reason that Seattle was able to execute it so well all the time is because they had a pretty potent defensive front. You know, you had Bruce Irving, Michael Bennett and guys who are capable of just kind of at least disrupting things and moving quarterbacks off their spot and, and given times for their secondary to get where they needed to be. And also you had two all pros, you know, and then when Brandon Browner was at his peak, he wasn't bad at all. So 
it, it's they just don't have the talent to execute it like anybody else is executing it. Like you said, the defense hasn't been bad. Uh, they weren't bad at all against the Cardinals until very late in the game when it was kind of like they were asking too much of them at that point. So it, it's hard to say. I think I, I lean a little bit towards it's a little too early to tell. Um, but John Lynch and, and Kyle Shanahan haven't done Robert Sala any favors. Uh, and basically just that's why they brought in uh, Mr. Kiffin is kind of just to manufacture pressure with guys who their sole purpose isn't necessarily to give you pressure. You know, interior defensive linemen shouldn't be your best person at applying pressure. Now, Buckner's a little bit of a, you know, a, an anomaly in how good he is, but at the same time, they have nothing coming off the edge and they're just trying to make do with what they have. And the fact that, you, know, you mentioned Solomon Thomas, and I forgot to mention him. I, It's just so disappointing that they still don't seem to have gotten a grasp on how he should be playing. And, and like, you watch a guy, his college tape, which made him a top prospect, just wreck the interior of defensive or offensive lines. And then you put him on the edge. And I know they're trying to squeeze him down a little bit every now and then, but he just shouldn't be there. If you're going to play somebody out of position, play Eric Armstead out of position because he wasn't even your draft pick, but at least put your draft pick, your number three overall pick in a good position to exceed where he's used to playing, you know, and, and I thought they were going to do that by what I saw at training camp. They were putting Solomon Thomas on the inside a lot and he looked good. He was making plays. Um, but then, you know, they get you get into the regular season and he's playing just, in my opinion, way too much along the edge. And that's part of the reason there is no pressure there. It's part of the reason people are calling for Robert Sala's job. And you got to use people correctly here. I don't think he has chess pieces. I think he has a bunch of pawns. If you play chess, like pawns are the pieces in front of you that are meant to go down. And he doesn't have the rooks, the knights. He doesn't have the pieces to maneuver around. So it's really not his fault. But he's not moving Solomon Thomas enough around. They have not figured him out. And that's that's on John Lynch. And we, we've been too negative. I really do want to praise George Kittle for the start to his season. If you redid the draft from 2017, I think Kittle would be a first-round pick. He is making explosive plays at tight ends. At tight end, he's been phenomenal as a blocker. The, the running game is really in sync now, and he's a big part to do with it. Is is this his ceiling here? Like, do we hope he can continue to play at this level for the whole year? Like, I'm so excited about George Kittle, but it's like, let's hope he sustains it. And, like, how good is this guy? It's hard to figure out because it's been off the charts since start 2018. I think he's just that good. And I think it's a matter of him being that good. Uh, I don't think he would have as much success in a different scheme. Some of that is Kyle Shanahan managing to scheme him, scheme him wide open. But, I mean, the guy's a, a crazy athlete. Like 90% of your tight ends don't take that play against the Chargers for a, you know, whatever it was, a 90-yard touchdown or something like that. Um, 90% of the tight ends don't do that. You know, they get 30, 40 yards, and, and the rest of the defense is caught up to him by that point. Uh, he's just a freak athlete, and the fact that he's such a, a phenomenal athlete, he's, he runs a 4-5, and then he can't add to that. I mean, I'm sure you – yeah, you saw the, the, the stuff that Brandon was posting on Twitter today. He's a phenomenal blocker. So he's, he's one of the, you know, the most well – he's already one of the most well-rounded, well-rounded tight ends in the league. So it's – I don't necessarily – I think where, the way he's performing right now is – I wouldn't even say it's a ceiling. I think he can have better games. Um, with a couple with Shanahan's kind of offense. So it's, I mean, like you said, it's, it's, he's one, he's a, in the fifth round. It makes no sense. Uh, I think, I think you're right in the fact that if, if they were to redraft that, 
team be either, you know, a, a day one or a very, very early day two pick, knowing that you can get that kind of production out of a tight end and somebody that never needs to come off the field. And especially, you know, if you're trying to run the ball, you still want him out there. So he's, uh, he's been probably the 49ers best offensive piece by far this year, right? Yeah, I mean, I would say he might win the Len Eshmon Award, like the team MVP for what he's putting on tape and like literally blocking people to the ground way after the whistle. I tweeted, the rest of the team was playing like this. You would be able to tell. It would be jumping off the tape. I just don't think enough plays are being made. Kittle is one, though. He's a great bright spot. Matt Breida has been the undrafted guy. If he does come back, Rob, and he tears it up and has 1,200 yards and is top five in rushing this season and is just making plays all over the field, what do you do with Jarek McKinnon? Because you have that contract out. Do you just say, man, we, we whiffed, it was one and done, or you try and merge them two together next year? Part of me thinks Kyle really wants to see this together. They have the cap room. But, again, if, if you're pushing Breed off the field and McKinnon isn't that good, like you've got to make a, a tough decision here based on playing time. A lot to play out, but I'm saying if Brita does keep this level up and plays 14 games in his dominant, I think that changes the plans. Uh, I, I think that the, I think that Kyle Shanahan wants, ideally, he wants them both. And he wants to be able to throw a new running back out there every series, knowing that both of those running backs are capable of producing you know, the same kind of play. I think what's happening now is, probably a best case scenario for Kyle Shanahan and that the NFL is getting to see he was Matt Breida was phenomenal in that first quarter of the, the, uh, the Cardinals game. The dude was just rattling off big runs like nothing. And the offensive line was outstanding, but I mean, the guy was just, I was just, you know, he stood up there from the press box and you watch and he just, he was phenomenal. He's eight yards of carry. So I think what's happening right now for Kyle Shanahan is a best case scenario. in the fact that the NFL is getting to see that Matt Breida, who wasn't even supposed to be the featured back is, legit you know 100 percent somebody that they should be worried about and then he'll get jared mckinnon back and i think he'll be put right back into that situation of devonta freeman kevin coleman doesn't matter who's out there they can they can beat you for big games type of thing uh mckinnon still has a little bit more of pass catching chops than than brita does i think brita's been fine he's already made some impressive catches um, McKinnon's still a little bit more of a threat there, but it wouldn't surprise me if Frida was a little bit better runner on the ground. So um, I think that he would 100% if given the opportunity, want to roll both out during the season, especially watching one of them go down in a freak accident in practice. I'm sure he wants to take both of them into the season. But to your point, would it surprise me if that they felt like Brita was, you know, they could go with and, and kind of cut McKinnon loose? No. But I think McCann, uh, excuse me, Shanahan wants to go right back to what he had with the Falcons and that one-two punch type of deal. Yeah, that's a good point. Tevin Coleman's also a free agent too. There's there's a lot to monitor running back, but the running game has been great. The offensive line has been good. They've been playing banged up and protecting the quarterback for the most part. There have been encouraging signs. It isn't all doom and gloom. They've been shooting themselves in the foot. That's the biggest problem Kyle has to solve. Can he fix execution? Or are the players just not good enough? I think we'll find that out over the next 11 games. I think they're, I mean, let's just, I mean, if you had to just break it right down, I think they're a decent cornerback, a decent wide receiver, and a legit pass rusher away from being a very, very, very competitive team. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo is coming back. That's almost like a, a given, you know, but I think that those few pieces, they do need to upgrade safety a little bit. It, to me, the, the, the fall off of, of Adrian Colbert has been kind of unreal compared to what he was putting on tape last year. But, 
you know, I think they're only a few paces away from being a very, very well, well-rounded and dangerous football team. Uh, it's just a matter of them going out and getting them. We, you know, a lot of those pieces, you know, they, they, they locked up Sherman and they just, they need an edge guy. And I think just getting the edge guy, you know, leaving everything else alone, I think uh, would be a lot, would, would do a lot for them. Before we get out of here, I want to touch Colbert real quick, because what do you do there? Do you start doing the Akella Witherspoon thing where you're putting DJ Reed on the field now? DJ Reed, I liked him as a corner coming out. I guess he's more of a slot corner. K1 hasn't had a good start of the, to the season. Aye, aye, aye. Their moves at secondary have been baffling, <laughs> but it's just like Colbert kind of let everyone down because we all believed he was good. The whole league did. There was you know, film clips all offseason with people being like, yo, Colbert is legit. I, I wonder what it is. I mean, it could be a sophomore slump. I think if there's one thing in the second half that could happen, if it's Colbert coming on strong, that this defense would be a lot better and that this team would be in a lot better position heading into the offseason. Oh, 100%. And one of the things that I don't want to leave unsaid is if you're trying to take pressure off your secondary, then you put then you put pressure on the quarterback. You know what I mean? I feel like adding that edge rusher. I mean, every team in the NFL wants an elite edge rusher. But, you know, there's a good chance that when this draft rolls around that they'll be in, in position to snag one or be in easy position to trade up and get one. You know what I mean? If Let's say if they're a pick number five and they feel like Bosa is going to go, Nick Bosa is going to go by pick number two, then just do, do what it takes to put yourself in the position to finally get that player uh, so that you can, you know, give your, your, your defensive coordinator and your defense as a whole a chance to succeed. You know, if you're worried about the secondary, just get a guy to sack the quarterback. Yeah, instead of drafting a killer Weatherspoon in the third round, just trade that extra third round pick and get Nick Bosa. I'm with you. Lot to play on the draft. We're going to try and avoid those conversations for as long as possible. It's still October. Monday night football, San Francisco 49ers. Rob, do they get blown out? Is it competitive? Does it look more like the Chargers, Cardinals? What's your take? The NFL is so weird, man. Like, okay, so the 49ers, yes, they they didn't have C.J. Beathard. uh, Went out and beat the – beat Detroit, then Detroit goes out and beats the Patriots, and then now Detroit went out and beat up uh, the Car- you know, or excuse me, the Packers. So I don't know where the 49ers fall in that spectrum of teams. Uh, do I think they get blown out by the Packers? Not necessarily. I think they can make it a game because the Packers aren't necessarily bringing anything other than Aaron Rodgers that's, that's phenomenal, you know. Um, but at the same time, going all the way over to Green Bay, into that stadium, it's, it's never going to be easy. I don't think the 49ers win by any means, but I think that they have what it takes to at least make it competitive, um, not make, you know, make it, a, make a game out of it, but we'll see yet. You know, it's, you never know with Aaron Rodgers, the guy is just phenomenal. So uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what they, what they draw up against Shanahan. Rob Loader. I love this combo. We got in-depth analysis on the team. We covered pretty much everything I wanted to talk about. I appreciate your time, bro. Hey, man, anytime, bro. Appreciate you. And this interview was so good, guys, that I'm going to make this the closeout. So KJ Podcast, we'll talk to you again Monday night after the Packers game. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.